Hey y'all, it's K-Bird Tweets, and this is Peace, Love, and Baseball. Be yourself, be yourself, be yourself. Welcome to today's episode of Peace, Love, and Baseball. How are ya? Kicking things off with a little call out to uh, the movie Just Friends. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Uh, it's hilarious, but it is helping us set the stage today for the overarching theme of the episode, and that is the power of being you, being yourself. Now, of course, we've got a good baseball storyline this week that inspired the topic, so we'll touch on that and some fun other inspiring stories as well that have come up this week, and we're also going to introduce a new segment that I'd like to call Two Truths, and then we're going to hit up another Show Me the Stats segment to glean a little insight on this BABIP stat that is babbipping around these days. So lots to cover, lots to discover. Let's get right to it. So if you are new here, you're going to pick up on it pretty quickly. Uh, You might as well know that I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan. And among everything going on with the Cardinals, the good, the bad, the vibe checks, everything in between, we have found a bright spot in the last week or so, and that is in our new catcher, Wilson Contreras, seemingly finding his stride at the plate, settling into that fifth spot in the lineup with his new team. And the main reason that I want to highlight this is, well, first off, because it is a bright spot through some rather foggy days for our Cardinals so far this season. It's just been a big storyline to follow since Contreras was signed for the Cardinals uh, in early December in the offseason. And we've heard a lot about how Contreras was going to be a great fit for the team from Ollie and Mo and blah, blah, blah. And while I certainly never disagreed with that, you do see something from Contreras that I'd even go as far to say is not typically regarded as the Cardinal way. And that is, what I mean by that is this the amount of raw emotion that he displays on the field, right? He really wears his heart on his sleeve. And that is clearly a big part of who he is. It's funny because I think we see this from a number of players around the league and it can definitely be like kind of annoying or even really like ego driven with some guys. Obnoxious, you know what I'm saying. But even when Contreras played for the Cubs for all those years, his showiness and his emotions never like really rubbed me the wrong way that some others do. Like, of course, it was annoying when he's beating up on your team, but I wasn't like, man, that guy is such a prick. So I've never really considered that or like tried to put my finger on what was different, you know, about him versus like some of the other guys that do seem more like ego driven and annoying with it. But what I've come to is that it's all about his intention with it, like everything ultimately is. It, it just comes from such a raw, authentic place and his genuine competitiveness that he lets out. It's just Wilson being Wilson. <laughs> and I think now that we've seen that emotion and competitive spirit come out a lot more in the last couple of weeks, it's no coincidence that his performance at the plate is 
right in line with all of that. It's really starting to click along with it. So he's been interviewed on it over and over, and there's a lot of good content on him speaking to the adjustments of joining a new team. You know, he talks about having to put the team first and then work on elevating your individual performance. Love that. Love all of it. Saying all the right stuff, Wilson. We love you for it. But what I'm getting at is that it takes some time to simply settle into a new team, a new culture, a new environment, and to be in a position where you feel like you can be yourself, especially if being yourself isn't quite the same as what is typically modeled in the environment that you've been brought into, right? Yachty had a very different way of showing his emotions than Wilson did, and he knows he's got those enormous shoes to fill behind the plate, and that's just another piece piece of it. Okay, so stick with me here. Yesterday, my husband was on a kick of watching old movies that stand the test of time. The original Jurassic Park was on TV, and he was like watching it while he was doing some work around the house. And he says to me, like, you know what? I think I'm done looking for new stuff to watch. There's like just so much out there, and most of it we don't even end up enjoying. So let's just stick with what we know and go back and watch, you know, the, uh, the movies we haven't seen in 10 years that still really stand the test of time. So we're looking for a little something to watch before bed, and we're both kind of like, yeah, why are we going to sit here and spend 20 minutes sifting through? all the stuff that's on these streaming services. Let's just pick pick something that we know that we're going to enjoy, that we haven't seen in forever. And we're bound to be able to stream it on one of these 12 different platforms that we're subscribed to. So Dan suggests Kung Fu Panda. Yes, the 2008 animated feature film starring Jack Black and Dustin Hoffman. You know it. I hate to admit it, but I, I guess I hadn't seen Kung Fu Panda. So... It's settled. We definitely have to watch it now. Uh, I had already settled on this being like the be yourself inspo, that being the theme for this week's episode. And if you haven't seen Kung Fu Panda, well, I'll tell you this. It really drives that point home in a way that only a panda voiced by Jack Black could. I won't spoil too much, but the premise of The movie is it's about a panda who works for his family noodle shop. And even though he's a good cook and all that, he just doesn't quite feel content, you know, making noodles and serving for a living. He feels that his true calling is in kung fu, but he's a big old clumsy panda and he has little opportunity to pursue anything outside of the family business. The storyline throws in the whole like guilt and pressure to fulfill family or societal expectations, etc. It's quite good. But anyway, the true moral of the story ends up being in that there is no secret ingredient. And it's so true. You are the secret ingredient. Being yourself is the secret ingredient. I don't know about you, but in many situations, whether it's like the businesses that I've worked for or the roles that I've auditioned for as an actor or jobs even that we're applying for, it's so easy to think, well, what do I have that that someone else doesn't have? Like, what do I bring to the table? And it's a really easy way to quit before we've even started. Even if you do put yourself out there, that, that mindset can be creeping in as like a seed of doubt and and just the questioning of yourself can be a really powerful limiting belief. 
So the thing that you have that no one else has is you. That's it. That is the only thing that you can uniquely bring to any and every scenario. And not only is it the bravest and best thing that we can do to show up as our true selves, it's also like really hard sometimes, a lot of the times. But imagine if we were able to recognize how special each and every one of us are as individuals. If you can give that grace and recognition to yourself, you will in turn have that recognition and appreciation for every other person much easily as well, much more easily. How much could we learn and value in each other and from each other? It is, it's really a lifelong journey. I'm not saying we ever get to this point and we're like, it's me, I'm free, I'm just being myself in every scenario. So <laughs> it's always gonna be a work in progress. But we grow up in a school system that more and more is training us to conform to a certain way of learning, of processing and using information so that we can all pass the same tests and that everyone around the nation is expected to learn and pass those tests in the exact same ways. We are striving to take the human element out of every profession in any way possible to be more efficient, to be more accurate, be more streamlined. And of course, there are positives and takeaways from all of that. But at what cost and to what extreme do we go to with all of that? Less creativity, less wonder, less imagination, less perspective, less connection, less you. And your unique and individual self I always find myself thinking about how magical it would be to live in a world where we were more encouraged to leverage our natural skills and abilities rather than fit in a box and check that box to fit into a certain profession or to make a certain amount of money. A lot of, and maybe even most of us, end up in jobs where we are not necessarily utilizing any of the skills that are our own personal strengths. We are all smart, evolved, and capable enough to do a lot of different things. And that adaptability and willingness to do those things that don't necessarily come naturally to us it can certainly serve us well. But I guess what I'm trying to say here is, you know how it can be like really exhausting to spend the day in a social, social situation whether it is like with people that maybe you don't know that well or that you don't really mesh with, don't have a lot in common with, maybe it's a family obligation or a work gathering, or you just put yourself in a new social situation and it just doesn't click. Happens to all of us one time or another, right? But you spend the day or even an hour or two in that kind of scenario and you're like, why do I feel, I feel so drained? Because it's exhausting to not be yourself. Now, imagine, and maybe you don't have to imagine, <laughs> that you're in a scenario every day for a large portion of your daily life where you are actively choosing to go against your natural skills, tendencies, strengths, maybe because of what your actual tasks or responsibilities are in a work scenario, or maybe because of the culture and environment that you're in. Whew. 
exhausting. And it can really be a shot to our confidence to have to live that way day in and day out. I think we've all probably been in situations where a lot of shame and bad feelings can come from not finding success with something. That's a very basic human emotion, something we can all relate to. But it might not be because like we're too stupid or we're not good enough or all those sort of not nice things that we say to ourselves. <laughs> and in these scenarios, like maybe it's because we're a fish trying to climb a tree, comparing ourselves to all the squirrels around us. But that squirrel couldn't swim so well, though. Can squirrels swim? I don't think so. But okay, even if they can, they definitely can't swim as well as like a fish. Okay? <laughs> so if we were all great swimmers or we were all great climbers, or we were all great flyers, like what use or appreciation would we have for each other in this big bad world? That's what I'm saying. Animals really seem to have it figured out. A common challenge that is discussed among actors is having the ability to show up as yourself in the audition room, which is an interesting concept because if you're not an actor, you're probably thinking like, well, your job is to show up and be the character that you're there to represent, right? But (laughs) hear me out here, especially in the nature of of that profession, you're going to go in for any work or opportunity that you can get. And especially depending on where you're at in your career, that is at times absolutely what you're going to have to do. And this relates to other professions as well. So I'm sure you can stick with me on that. But not every role that you're going to audition for is like one that you really fit or that really suits you. And you're not meant for every role. And especially at the professional level, it's not going to feel good trying to force yourself to fit a role that you ultimately just don't fit. It's really challenging, though, because you might even get called in for it specifically and feel like, oh, yeah, I can make myself into this character. Or you get hired for a job and you're like, I absolutely can do this. Like, I, I can learn those skills. I can put them into play. But... It just feels so different than when you go in for a role or get hired for a job where your natural skills and abilities are going to be highlighted and you get cast for that role that you know you're really right for. You get what I'm saying. Now, many times in life, we do not have the flexibility to make a different choice at any given moment because, you know, responsibilities, being a functional adult, all that stuff is a thing. Of course, I'm not trying to say that that's not important or something that we can ever choose to ignore, but that's a big part of the challenge with all of this as well. So coming back to the leadership conversation that we had a couple weeks ago for a hot second, if our leaders, managers, supervisors, coaches were actively looking for ways to leverage our skills, can you imagine how much more we could all get from each other. In Kung Fu Panda, the master who is tasked with training our klutzy and hopeless hero, his name is Master Shifu. He is so frustrated with Poe the Panda that he actually actively tries to push him out at first. And he's insisting that he just does not have the skills needed to succeed as the dragon warrior. 
But as he leans into the challenge of making it work with Poe the Panda, he ends up finding new, unique strengths within him that he can capitalize on in ways that Poe the Panda never would have imagined that he could on his own. That's the definition of a coach, right? By allowing him the space to be himself, he gets better results than he ever could have imagined possible and then what he was ultimately expecting. So by just allowing him that space to be himself and not expecting him to fit the mold, he gets something so far beyond what both of them could have imagined alone. Yeah. So another big, powerful topic that we're really just scratching the surface here at Peace, Love, and Baseball. I'm going to wrap it up here with a little Atticus poetry quote that I've always loved. And it says, watch carefully the magic that occurs when you give a person enough comfort to just be themselves. It was said, Peace, Love, and Baseball is brought to you by Validity. Hey, are you a fan of indie pop rock with maybe a touch of Ben Folds, some Mika, and Jukebox the Ghost? Then you gotta check out Validity. Validity is the musical project by the talented vocalist and instrumentalist Wesley McKinney. His latest album is called Indivisible, and it's now streaming on Spotify, Apple Music, and wherever you listen. It's a must-listen for anyone who loves upbeat melodies and catchy lyrics. What makes Validity truly special is McKinney's ability to seamlessly blend his passion for music and his love for things like baseball, creativity, fitness. He's not just a musician, he's a well-rounded artist who knows how to stay active and inspired. So whether you're a baseball player, going to the gym, or maybe just a creative mind or lover of great music, Validity has something for you. Tune into his music and let Wesley McKinney take you on a journey of self-discovery and fun. Don't miss out on this rising star. He's empowering individualism and the power of being yourself in his music. Stream Indivisible today. This is where I need to make my public apology to Jack Flaherty. Jack, you know, you know I've always liked you. I've always loved you. Never had any issue with you. I appreciate uh, Jack's content. I obviously think he's super talented, lots of potential, and he's had some really tough luck the last few years. I think we can all agree on that. But now he is healthy. He's trying to find his groove. And one of the things that I, like personally, don't necessarily like to see from Jack or that I've called him out on in the past is when he seems to let his emotions get the best of him in the moment. If you watch and have followed Cardinals baseball, you likely know what I'm talking about. Now, first off, let me preface this by saying that I cannot even imagine the pressure that athletes are under and the mental strength and training that it takes to compete at that level. So I just want to put that out there. But if you have watched Jack Flaherty, particularly over the last few years, I think you know what I mean. You can visibly see his demeanor, the way that he carries himself, change at times after a bad pitch or an undesired outcome in a game, in the moment. So we have seen this from Jack in the past. And in these last few starts, when we see him start to like chirp at the ump or the opposing batter or even like talking to himself, 
I immediately say to my TV screen, because what I have to say to Jack through my MLB TV streaming app is obviously very valid and important. But I say, I say, Jack, don't let it get to you. Jack, I hate to see it when you get in your head like that. And so on. But what I noticed when I was watching him yesterday was, yes, that emotion was there. But it was different. It was more of that hard-on-your-sleeve stuff that we have come to love from Wilson Contreras. And what do you know, post-game, we get a great piece from Derek Gould at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I'm going to link it in the show notes for you. On Jack Flaherty's controlled burn of emotions. Yeah. Ugh. It's a great read, and I won't regurgitate Gold's great work for you here, so check out that article. But my takeaway from all of these thoughts that I've been having and sharing with you is that this is Jack showing his emotions, but it's different. Jack showing his emotions is different this time. Derek Gold shares from an interview with Paul DeYoung, welcome back, Paul DeYoung is speaking on Jack Flaherty and his performance in this past Saturday's game on April 23rd. And I'm going to share that with you from the article because it really, it sums up what I'm trying to say here. Paulie D says, what I saw different from him was just how he was going with the flow. I know sometimes starting pitchers can be in their own head, in their own zone, that they kind of forget the nuances and little things that happen. To me, Jack was able to brush those things off. He was smiling and kind of fiery. And I think that was great to see his natural emotion play out as opposed to having a facade. Hell yeah! Jack being Jack. And that is what we want to see. So Jack, I apologize for not initially accepting you for being more fully you and and trying to put you back in that box. Let Jack out of the box. It's time. And who's to say that Paul DeYoung isn't our very own dragon warrior, y'all? I'm just saying. You never know. Just, just going to put it out there. I know we've all had our frustrations with Pauly D, but here's what I, I do want you to reconsider, and I'll say about Paul DeYoung. Paul DeYoung is 29 years old. He has banked roughly $26 million playing professional baseball, and he has a biochemistry degree with a pre-med emphasis. Yeah, dude could walk away from baseball, count his millions, and quite honestly do whatever the hell he wants. But here he is, grinding it out, doing the work, dealing with all the backlash. I mean, can't even imagine what this guy has gone through emotionally and mentally through the last few years. He's trying to do the best to fulfill this commitment to his team, the opportunity that he's been given by the organization, regardless of the outcome, if any, at this point. So I have mad respect for you, PD, PDJ. PDJ. It's easier to write than it is to say. Mad respect, Paul DeYoung. And y'all should too. His first game back, he had three hits including a home run, and we know he's a plus defender. And at the end of the day, like, I just want Polly D to be Polly D. And I know that if he can do that, just like the rest of us, we're going to see more of the best from him. Okay, so 
If you've been around, you may recall our Show Me the Stats segment where we do a little informational deep dive on a baseball statistic. Could be one that you uh, hear referred to a lot, but what does it actually mean? And even more importantly, like how is it applicable? Why are we looking at it? Why are we talking about it? So in learning about BABIP or batting average on balls in play, this will actually end up tying into our final segment of today's episode as well. But before we get there, we got to learn about what the heck BABIP even is. It is, uh, it's not a division of NATO. It's not a new text acronym that you're behind on. It is, in fact, a Major League Baseball stat of batting average on balls in play. So by definition on MLB.com, BABIP measures a player's batting average exclusively on balls hit into the field of play, removing outcomes not affected by the opposing defense, so namely home runs and strikeouts. So for example, a hitter who goes two for five with a home run and a strikeout would have a .333 BABIP in that he's one for three on balls that he put in play. The formula of batting average on balls in play is hits minus home runs, and then we're going to divide that by the number of at-bats a player has minus the strikeouts and the home runs, and then add in sacrifice flies. Whew. Okay, so how is this useful? BABIP can be used to provide some context in evaluating both pitchers and hitters. So the league average in BABIP is around... 300, typically, the, the 300 average range. So pitchers who have allowed a higher percentage of hits on balls in play will typically regress to that mean and vice versa. So basically, over time, they're going to see an average of three for every 10 balls put in play fall for hits. And hits are obviously what turns into runs. So a pitcher with a lower BABIP has a lower average of balls in play that can ultimately turn into runs and vice versa. So the same applies for batters who have seen a high or low percentage of their balls in play drop for hits. So you get it. You get it? (laughs) It's kind of complicated, like baseball stats are. But here's where it's interesting to look at in application. So last week, I had the pleasure and the privilege to join Nate and Ben on the Talking About Birds podcast. Big thanks to them for having me on. That was my first official St. Louis Cardinals podcast. If you have yet to listen to the episode, I'm going to drop that in the show notes too, so you can check it out and give them a follow. They have great weekly content on everything Cardinals. They do an awesome job of like kind of recapping what's going on in the past week and then previewing the upcoming season as well. And... It was a ton of fun just to chat all things St. Louis Cardinals and also around baseball with them. But we did talk a bit about the Cardinals' BABIP, about that stat with them. And I'll get into that again momentarily. But this is where I would like to introduce uh, our, our newest segment to Peace, Love, and Baseball. I am calling it Two Truths. You know, like two truths and a lie, but uh, it's just it's just two truths. There are... No lies. No lies here. It's where we will discuss two statements that seem mutually exclusive, but both can be true. It's 
not not always black and white, right? That's kind of the point of this. There is a gray space if we seek to understand. <laughs> so there's more than initially meets the eye. I want to say that this is really inspired by Nate from talking about birds because the other night, twice during our conversation, I'm like a very audio-driven person. And so like, I guess this just stuck with me from hearing him say it. But twice within our conversation, he said something along the lines of, I think both things can be true or like, why can't both be true? And that stuck with me as a way to challenge our binary thinking in a lot of different scenarios. Now, sometimes these two truths will be baseball related, as in today's case, but they surely do not have to be. And so I look forward to uh, challenging that on future episodes. But today we're going to use it to the BABIP stat uh, in our two truths discussion. So here are today's two truths. First, the St. Louis Cardinals offense is third among all teams in Major League Baseball in BABIP or batting average on balls in play. So third, that's that's good. Third among all 30 teams. Second, also true, the St. Louis Cardinals offense is tied for 14th among all teams in Major League Baseball for runs scored. So I pair these things together because seemingly to have a higher average on balls put in play, one would think that we would also have a higher, uh, we would sit a little higher in the runs scored. So what's the deal? And, and that was kind of the question that we posed on the Talking About Birds episode. And you can listen to the three of us kind of go back and forth on that. But looking at these two truths specifically, that's where it, it makes looking at the stats so interesting at this point in the season. There are a lot of other stats that we can compare to here, but for today's purposes, now we understand BABIP, right? We're going to apply that here. And then run scored is one that is simple enough for this comparison. So how can we be in the top three for BABIP, but like hardly even hanging in the top half for runs scored? Both things can be and are true. And when we go back into the definition of batting average on balls in play, it helps to make sense of it. First of all, it's an average stat. So it is considering a large sample size and how that's going to average out over time. And that's really the biggest, most important thing to understand about it at this point. So early in the season. BABIP is based on average. So over time, it helps to give us some insight on a team like the Cardinals, who are not necessarily scoring the most runs, don't necessarily have glaring issues with like, why or how they aren't winning games, at least every game, okay? So what the statistic ultimately tells us is exactly what what we want to hear, Cardinals fans. If the St. Louis Cardinals continue to put balls in play at this rate, it will average out to a more offensively successful team that comes out ahead more often than not. It is a stat that you can look at and say, well, okay, yeah, luck really has been somewhat of a factor then up until this point. And to some extent, we have to keep doing exactly what we're doing. And we're going to get different results. So the top two teams in BABIP right now, uh, along with the Cardinals at third, this is interesting to look at too, uh, the Phillies are first and the Cubs. Now the Cubs are also fourth in runs scored. 
So things are playing out in their favor in these first few weeks. That could have to do with a billion other things that we're not even going to get into right now. But ultimately what we're looking at is that they are making the most of all of those balls that are getting put into play. The Phillies, however, they are tied for 14th with the Cardinals. And I think this is so interesting because they are another team with massive talent and potential that isn't off to the best start. But what are these statistics and these two truths are ultimately going to tell us about both the Phillies and the Cardinals is that these are two teams that are going to have better results in the long run from what we are seeing from them right now, if they can stick with that. So hold on to that BABIP, my friends. It's going to get us somewhere. All right, it is about time to wrap things up here. But before we do, I want to share a couple feel-good stories of the week with you in baseball, in case you missed it. Mookie Betts and his wife welcomed their second child on Tuesday, April 18th. So big congrats to Mookie and his family. And by Thursday, April 20th, Betts rejoined his team, the Los Angeles Dodgers. And his manager, Dave Roberts, asked, uh, hey, Mookie, welcome back. Got that extra dad strength now? You uh, you up for playing shortstop? And he, in true Mookie fashion, said, you know, whatever whatever you need. I'm here for you. Ready to get right to it. Mookie Betts was originally drafted by the Red Sox as a second baseman. Uh, he played second in his rookie year in 2014, so nine years ago at this point. But he's really been in right field ever since. He actually has six gold gloves as a right fielder. He has never once played shortstop at the major league level. So now here he is in his ninth major league season and never, never a day in shortstop until this past week. Badass Mookie Betts. All right. The other feel good story I want to mention today is Drew Maggi's promotion to the big leagues. Ah, this is a cool story. Maggi is a career minor leaguer with the Pittsburgh Pirates organization. He is 33 years old, so he has spent 13 years in the minor leagues. The Pittsburgh Pirates shared a very cool video of the manager for, for the Pirates AAA affiliation team, which is where Maggi is and has been uh, this season. And he is getting to tell Drew Maggi in front of his entire team while praising his work ethic and how he really embodies all that it takes to find success in a game of failure like baseball and that he's getting the call up to the big leagues. So it's very cool. I've loved seeing all the coverage on it, but my favorite take on it that I'm going to share with you is when the play-by-play announcer for the Orioles, uh, Melanie Newman, who you may know from, I'm not sure if she's doing the Apple TV broadcast this year, but she did it last year. Anyway, she posted the video that was shared by the pirates and she said, this should be the story of the week. Randy Johnson used to tell guys that the biggest part of baseball is showing up the next day because someone else has given up. It's a matter of survival. It's showing up because you're auditioning for every other team in existence. So keep showing up. Keep doing your best. Keep doing your best to be your best. To be as you as you can possibly be. Because that's all we need from you. That's what we need from you. And hey, if we can do that, then we just might be able to continue to get more of the best out of each other. 
Wishing lots of peace, love, and baseball to you and yours for another week ahead. And hey, make sure that you are following me at Kbird Tweets on Twitter. You can subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss anything on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. I can actually see how many people are subscribed on Spotify, which is cool. So I would feel really great and really grateful if I saw you pop up there as a Spotify subscriber. Just add to that little number I can see there. And hey, leave leave a little review if you feel so inclined and uh, you feel like being kind, you know, <laughs> it helps us get some more visibility here and there so we can keep spreading the love of the game and so much more. I'll catch you next time. Be yourself, be yourself, be yourself.